Welcome to the Low Carb Leader Podcast, a podcast focused on optimizing health and performance through a low carb lifestyle. Every episode will bring you a step closer to living an amazing low carb life. Come join us for this exciting journey. And here is your low carb leader and host, Dan Perryman. Hello and welcome to the Low Carb Leader Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Perryman, and you have joined me for episode 70. Today's guest is amazing. She is a British researcher who focuses on exogenous ketones. And why did she become interested in exogenous ketones? Well, she was the youngest person to row across the English Channel at the age of 12. She also won two gold medals for Great Britain at the 2013 and 2016 World Rowing Championships. So not only is she an amazingly accomplished athlete, she has her doctorate degree and she now researches exogenous ketones. And since you can find her on Wikipedia, she has done all of this at the age of 26. So pretty amazing. So my guest today is Dr. Brianna Stubbs. And we talk all about exogenous ketones. I know there's a lot of information out there and a lot of confusion around this topic, especially with the highly marketed products that are out there. So Dr. Brianna cuts through all the hype and talks truth about exogenous ketones. And if you want to see the video version of our interview, you can check out the Low Carb Leader Facebook page or the Low Carb Leader YouTube page. So check out either of those if you want to see the video version. And if you enjoy the audio version, then you can listen to that on iTunes or Stitcher or any other podcast app. And I would appreciate it if you're enjoying this podcast. Please subscribe if you haven't and share this episode with somebody who either takes exogenous ketones or is considering exogenous ketones and wants to know the truth about them. All right. Dr. Brianna Stubbs on exogenous ketones. Dr. Brianna, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure. Yeah, glad to have you. So um, I've always been a little bit adventurous, let's just say. I grew up in a family um, where my dad was uh, ocean rowing. So I started rowing age about 12. Um, at age 12, I was the youngest person to ever row the English Channel. Um, then I sort of started rowing for the British national team from when I was 16 through till last year when I was 26. And in that time, I won two silver medals and two gold, two gold medals at the World Championships in rowing for Team GB. Um, at the same time as this, I was at the University of Oxford and started off doing pre-med and then ended up doing a PhD in exogenous ketone metabolism. And after I finished that up, I moved here to San Francisco, where I'm based now. I'm the research leader at a company called HVMN. Um, and just before Christmas, we launched the first exogenous ketone ester drinks. So I've been part of the team doing that. That's awesome. I like how you skimmed over the uh, 12 years old rowing the English Channel. That's <laughs> that's not something everybody does. So how was how was that experience when you were 12? That's incredible. I remember actually how it came about. I went into my dad's office and um, I guess, you know, like kids, they just don't really understand like how this sort of thing works. I was like, dad, you know, you're rowing across the Atlantic. Can I come and do something like that with you? And he was like, oh, well, I mean, you know, maybe it's a little bit far. 
OPM, like figure out something else. And they, at that time, they were doing some like longer rowing sessions as training for their Atlantic row. Um, and so they decided that they would do one of these and take me along with them. So we went from the south coast of the UK all the way over to France. It took about 24 hours um, a big long day out I got really really seasick and I think they were all very patient with me um you know as I was you know I was so little I didn't really know what was um not to make a fuss and I remember my dad and I were both seasick actually and we were both throwing up in the same bucket it was kind of very uh bonding moment there with my dad but at the same time it was um a fantastic experience and really great to reach the other side I remember just as the sun was coming up we could see the coastline appear in the distance and feeling this fantastic sense of achievement and also the the night was just fantastically beautiful um all of when you're out in the middle of the sea there's no light pollution so you can see all of the stars and the moon and it was very still and it was just glassy and the moon was reflected it was it was really stunning and I would definitely have really vivid memories of, of that whole experience so I'm it was a fantastic privilege that my dad was able to kind of take me along and do that with me. Yeah, that's awesome. And then you went on to win some medals and some other events, right? Yeah. So um, what when I rode the channel, we were in an ocean rowing boat. So that's like quite wide and it has cabins in so you can sleep on the boat. But um, I kind of progressed into more like the rowing boats that you'd see in the Olympics. So fine racing shells and um, lots of technical finesse and fitness and strength to, to row over two kilometers. The rowing race, uh, international rowing distance is two kilometers. And so um, I went from rowing at high school through to rowing at college and um, was ended up training sort of six days a week three times a day um, when I was rowing with the British national team and I competed in the lightweight women's event so it mean, meant that I had to be 125 pounds on race day um, and I rowed in a two-person boat and a four-person boat um, competed in those different events in my time with the team. So your exercise program was pretty intense if you were working out three times a day. What kind of nutrition were you like eating back then was was it just kind of a high carb diet or how was that well I mean it certainly wasn't a high carbohydrate diet because um at the same time that I was doing the lightweight stuff I was uh, learning more and more about um carbohydrate restriction and how it can be used to optimize body composition but that said um, I didn't have total control over my training program um, because we were training as one big group and so we had still had quite a lot of intensity in our training program and so there was no good and also we only had a two-week break every year so there was no good time where I could really try out getting um, adapted properly to a low carbohydrate diet without um, my performance suffering and also we were doing um, our selection took all year so we'd start doing um, selection trials in October and there was almost a trial a test every single month so there was no real way for me to properly give a ketogenic diet um, a run out and and actually um, looking at um, the intensity of a rowing race it's quite highly um, anaerobic in parts and so I think that um, it wouldn't have been really necessarily optimal for me. But then that said, um, you say, you know, was I on a high carbohydrate diet? And I, I think that I was more of the school where I would um, make sure that my carbohydrate availability was suited to the training that I was doing. So I used to do quite a lot of fasted training myself. So we, um, some of the times our first session in the morning was a long endurance session where we'd row just really, really steadily for an hour and a half to two hours. And I would do that sort of thing fasted to try and boost my aerobic metabolism. Um, but then there would be some days where we would be doing intensity and I would um, 
you make sure I had carbohydrate around that session. But I certainly was a lot more diligent about my nutrition being a lightweight and also studying what I did um, than some of the other people that I've seen who who row at that kind of level as well. So I think um, when the training is that physically tough and, and also mentally tough, tough as well you have to concentrate for a long period of time also putting a lot of thought into your diet as well gets really tiring and so there are a lot of people on the team who you know ate healthily but then there were certainly some people who would just you know pile on the bread pile on the oats and because I mean I think that that's the the widely accepted paradigm and at the cutting edge of nutrition um there are people that I think that People think now that you need to do have carbohydrate as and when the training suggests it. But at the grassroots level of athletes, people just assume that you need carbs for performance. And I think actually that's not always the case. Was it through athletics that you became interested in studying? Uh, so I was doing pre-med at, at Oxford. And so I had a real interest in the human body. And obviously through doing sport myself, like a lot of personal interest in like, what can I do to make myself feel better? better perform better um and actually it came about um by a little bit of a coincidence that i saw advertised a study for exogenous ketones and i took part in the study as a participant and i remember this was quite early on with the uh, ketone ester drink being tested in humans and it still tasted really bad they gave it to us in like a chocolate milkshake and it was um like a protein shaker size so it was a lot of this very thick claggy bitter chocolate drink and I remember having this drink and going on the rowing machine and doing like a season's best and actually I was overnight fasted then and the 30 minute test it's still quite intense um you normally you'd want to have some fuel on board before you do that I remember doing this test and feeling you know just like an edge feeling that when I got into the the tank and things were perhaps a bit easier than than I'd be expecting given the speed that I was doing and that really kind of like caught my attention and because um because I was doing medicine I had an opportunity to do a research project and so I got back in touch with those investigators like please will you host me I want to find out more about this and um that's how I built the kind of connections in with them and then I had an opportunity to um take a year off studying and row for the national team full-time and the research group employed me to help them run their exercise studies and that changed into just being a from, changed from being a research assistant into doing a PhD um so it wasn't really planned I was planning on being an MD uh, by now but actually in the end I decided once I'd finished my PhD that I was really really interested and excited to be part of the next chapter of what happened was going to happen with exogenous ketones and having experience a lot of experience myself um, and the fact that it's now um, out there and people can buy it and try it it was something that was really exciting to me so that, but yeah I wasn't this was never planned but it's been a great ride oh gotcha gotcha for the viewers and listeners just kind of give us a background of uh, maybe how exogenous ketones came about and how they've developed and evolved over uh, years because you mentioned that they were very bad tasting at the beginning and mm -hmm. and yeah and so they've come a long way right yeah so I mean let's go right back to the very very beginning so um actually like maybe in the mid 1900s so like 1950 to 1970 people were doing the first ever studies of any type of exogenous ketones and they were looking at ketone salts so um some of your listeners might have heard of ketone salt products out there there's like a range of different companies selling those now and that means that you've got 
sodium or potassium or calcium and that's what's bound to the beta hydroxybutyrate which is the ketone and so um, you can drink those and that that will give you ketones in your blood and so uh, back in the 50s people were giving these not as a drink but as an iv infusion and that was the very first time that exogenous ketones were studied in humans so then a few years on from that people started wanting to avoid having to give um salt with it so wanted to avoid having to give the sodium potassium calcium because that can be kind of difficult on your kidneys and you're not meant to eat like tons and tons of salt to, to stay healthy and so that was when the investigators started playing around with the idea of exogenous ketone esters so exogenous ketone esters are different ketone salts because rather than um, having uh, an ion like sodium or potassium bound to the beta hydroxybutyrate, they have another molecule. So the ketone ester that I worked on used a ketone precursor called butane diol. You can also bind it to acids. Um, there are different things and you join beta hydroxybutyrate with what's called an ester bond to this other precursor that's, that's not a salt. Um, so in theory, that will increase the bioavailability and also decrease the salt load as well. And so, um, Maybe in the early 2000s, the U.S. military, it was about the time of the Iraq war, and the U.S. military were looking for something that could help warfighter performance out in Iraq. Um, and so they put out a call for, for funding worth $10 million, and that funding was won by a collaboration between the NIH in, in America and the University of Oxford in the U.K., um, Professor Kieran Clark and Dr. Richard Beach, and the two of them had done a lot of um, uh, study of metabolism, and they felt that um, giving ketones as a fuel would be a really efficient fuel source for the soldiers to be using on these really demanding missions. And so uh, with that $10 million, they screened out, tried a lot of different compounds. Um, and as I said, you know, this one tastes pretty bitter, but they one of the part of the process was taste testing a lot of different other compounds that were even worse than the one that we have now. And so they decided um, to pursue a bit further beta-hydroxybutyrate, the ketone body, joined to uh, the ketone precursor butane diol. And so um, once they'd decided on that molecule, they uh, tested it in animals and tested it in humans and been through a lot of different regulatory approvals to get it um, approved as generally recognized as safe by the FDA. Um, they, they ran it through the World Anti-Doping Association, WADA, so that um, they're happy that athletes can take this. Um, and so... Well, well, why would athletes be interested in taking this? This um, The first experiments were actually done in animals. And so they gave the rats this particular ketone ester every day for seven days and made them run on a treadmill until they couldn't run anymore, until the rats uh, fell off the back of the treadmill. And the rats being fed ketone ester were running like about a third further. So quite a lot further every single day. And they were getting uh, running even further every day, as whereas the other rats, they were getting slower and slower, running less far every day. Um, and at the same time, the rats were also having to solve a maze puzzle. And the rats being fed ketones were solving this puzzle faster and faster as well. So um, that was the real kind of like promising sign that this could be something that could uh, boost physical and cognitive performance. And that was kind of borne out in the athlete studies as well. So the study that I was a participant in, the rowing study, uh, they showed an improvement of adding ketones in to um, rowing performance. And then we did a series of other studies when I was helping to run, run the experiments. Uh, we looked at cycling performance. And we saw sort of a two to three percent improvement in performance there as well. So it definitely um, it definitely needed to be run by the World Anti-Doping Association. But the way that I look at it, um, you guys, you can produce ketones by following a diet. Um, 
it's a natural fuel that the body can use. And so to me, it's no different to carbohydrate loading or, or drinking a cup of coffee. It's like a nutritional strategy that you can use um, that kind of like takes you nearer to your maximum physical performance. So it's proven at this point for like high performance athletes to kind of give them that maybe an additional edge, an additional little bit of performance. What about, is, is that a correct statement? Yeah, so okay. I, the, the, uh, just to be like 100% clear, it's the specific ketone ester, so beta-hydroxybutyrate butane diol, has been given to athletes and high-end athletes and improves performance. But that doesn't necessarily mean that taking salt or taking different ketone esters would do the same thing because the body handles them all in slightly different ways. And for example, they all raise beta-hydroxybutyrate levels to different amounts. So if we took... Um, 10 grams of ketone ester that I worked on, you might get up to two to three millimoles. And if you took the salt, you might only get to one millimole. And there's another ester out there that Dr. Dominic D'Agostino has been working on. And recently that was studied and it didn't raise ketone levels all that high and they didn't see an improvement in performance. So um, you have to be kind of specific about what compound, what ketone compound you're taking as well. But <clears throat> yes, exogenous ketone ester, beta-hydroxybutyrate ketone ester, yeah, improves high-end athletic performance. And we're kind of confident of that. That is the, you have the ester that you're working on with your company. Is, yeah. is that targeted toward athletes or is it targeted toward everybody? Well, we're targeting it towards people who take their athletic performance seriously. So I think that whilst um, the, those performance benefits were seen in high-end athletes, that actually when you're less less uh, well-trained, you've kind of got more inherent variation anyway. So something like this has the potential to boost your performance even more. Um, also for people who are looking to follow like a low carbohydrate lifestyle and they're going on like long runs or like long bike rides, but maybe needing to take on some sort of extra fuel, this is a really great thing that they can add into their toolkit that doesn't spike their insulin and gives their body a ready source of energy. And um, the other really interesting things that it does is it helps promote uh, muscle uh, lean muscle maintenance as it were like when you take ketone drinks you break down less of your muscle during exercise and we have some results in humans as well that show that uh, it activates the protein synthesis pathway after exercise as well so it looks like it might be really good for people who are looking to work out and build or maintain muscle as well um, and another thing that I found in my PhD was that it sort of also has an appetite suppression effect. So if you're looking to lose weight, then this could be something that might help with that if, if appetite is something that you struggle with. That yeah. said, we haven't done a weight loss study yet. But One of the common things I hear is that, you know, like the, I won't name any name brands that you can get across, uh, mm. you know, get over the counter, but there's a lot of people who will take these exogenous ketone drinks and they talk about their ketone levels going up and you know, you can eat a piece of cake and then you take the drink and your ketones go up. Yeah. What, what's your take on all of that for just, just the common person who thinks that they need to get their ketones up and maybe they do, or they don't follow a low carb diet kind of take us through that. Okay. I think this is a great point. And I think, um, uh, it's really useful to be able to to talk this through, um, to de demystify it a little bit. So um, <clears throat> people who are following a ketogenic diet measure their ketones because that's the end result of them burning their own fat. If, if you're following a low carbohydrate diet and you have high ketones, that's because you're releasing fat and the liver is turning the fat into ketones. And so you're in fat burning mode when you're producing your own ketones. But if I uh, was to drink a ketone drink now, the ketones that I'm measuring in my blood are the end result of a different process. 
they're the result of having drunk the ketone drink, not from having burnt fat. So <clears throat> if you drink a ketone drink and you measure ketones, that doesn't mean that you're burning fat. That means that you've just had a ketone drink to drink. So um, t- taking exogenous ketones doesn't melt away any fat. It doesn't uh, ketosis. I think people kind of are a little confused because up until now, people are like, there's this magic state, it's called ketosis. When you're in ketosis, you're burning fat. But actually, now that we have exogenous ketones, that makes these two processes kind of a little bit distinct and different. If you're in exogenous ketosis, the ketones have come from the drink and not from your fat. So I think that's something that's really important to be to be clear about. Um you if you have more ketones in your blood you'll you might get better at using them but it doesn't mean that you're necessarily going to get better at producing them so um yes you can have a slice of cake and drink exogenous ketones and you'll still be in ketosis which will mean that you have higher levels of ketones in your blood but it doesn't mean that you're burning fat you you've just got those from the drink not from not from your own fat stores. Right. And one of the big arguments I read online is about once you take exogenous ketones, it'll, it can actually stop your fat burning and it's additional source of calories. Talk about that because it's just, I think there's a lot of hype out there that people don't understand things. Yeah, I think definitely we're at the stage where um, everyone's getting really angry with one another. So you've got the people who are pro-exogenous ketones and they've got these really, you know, and also people have very positive experiences with them as well. So, I mean, it's understandable that they want to share that and want to like kind of uh, explain why they understand that they work for them. Um, But then on the other hand, you've got people getting really angry at the supplements companies and people getting really angry at the science. So people, uh, lots of arguments happening online. So I, I guess my understanding of it is that, um, yes, if you have exogenous ketones in your, if you have ketones in your blood, full stop, ketones themselves slow down the production of more ketones. So if you're on a low carbohydrate diet and you start to build up ketones in your blood, those will be acting as a slight handbrake on further ketone production. And that's actually a really good thing because that means that we don't all go into ketoacidosis. So you need this natural um, slowing down of ketone production with the presence of ketones but on the flip side when you've got exogenous ketones depending on whether you're on a low carbohydrate diet um, or or whatever you're doing in that respect the ketones are going to be slowing down fat release they're slowing down lipolysis and that uh, that means that the liver has less uh, fat in the blood to turn into ketones but they'll do that even if um even if you're not fasting. So when we see like normal people, if I was to take a ketone drink now, my blood fat levels would drop. That's because the ketones are slowing down fat release. So in in one uh, one way of looking at it, yes, taking exogenous ketones slows down your own ketone production, but it's only for a time. So when you drink the ketone drink, the ketone levels go up and then within three or four hours, they go down again. And so what I've actually seen with people who... Um, take a ketone drink and continue to fast or continue to follow a low carbohydrate diet, their ketone levels don't go all the way back down to zero rather than um, they kind of go up quite high with the ketone ester drink and then kind of return to be one millimole between 0.5 and one. So they don't, they don't kick you totally out of ketosis. Cause so I believe that there's a point whereby the exogenous ketones the level from those goes low enough that it's no longer inhibiting lipolysis and your own production. So I think there's like a meeting in the middle. So I don't think it's, it's neither. um, It's it's not like, Oh, you drink these, you kick yourself out of ketosis. It's really bad. It's like you boost your ketone levels, they come down again and then your own production kind of like ramps back up again and 
So you sort of can stay, you can stay in ketosis having had a ketone drink. But it's not really very well understood yet. I think it would be really, really interesting to use a special labeling technique so that we can see when the ketones in the blood are from the drink and when the ketones in the blood are from your own body. So I believe, I believe there's a crossover. Those are great points. So a couple different questions for a couple different types of people. So the normal person who drinks exogenous ketones for weight loss, just the common person, whether they're low carb or they're not low carb, is there any scientific support for that? Besides, I mean, I've, I've fasted and I've been in ketosis a lot and it is an appetite suppressant, definitely, because yeah. MCT oil, it, it suppresses your appetite and all that. Uh, besides yeah. appetite suppression, is there any other evidence for just kind of taking exogenous ketones as a normal person? At the moment, um, the field of exogenous ketones is kind of full, uh, very, very new still. So um, at the moment, the only evidence with exogenous ketones is to do with appetite suppression. And as you mentioned, they are calorie containing substances. So it, it's only going to help you lose weight if you take out those calories, if, if, if it helps you suppress your appetite enough that you then don't eat more calories later. So say you get up in the morning and you have a ketone drink and that ketone drink is 120 calories, but that keeps you going all day or keeps you going until lunch and then you're not that hungry so you eat less, then yes, that will definitely help you lose weight. But it's not, uh, at the moment, our understanding is, is not that it does, um, in humans anyway, we don't think that it has any kind of magic fat melting properties or fat boosting we, we, we've not done that study yet. I mean, there is some work in animals that makes it look like um, we've studied the ketone ester that uh, that I worked on. They studied that in rats and they saw that it increases this thing called uncoupling, which me, which um, means that your body is kind of like dissipating energy. And so it's sort of like burning more energy, just just living. Um, and so it, it increased that in rats. So it could help with weight loss and fat loss there. But we've never seen that in humans. It's still very, very early. Um, so I guess, yeah, the, the best evidence at the moment is to do with appetite suppression. And as we said, you have to cut down calories from somewhere else if you're going to bank, bank on that working. I'm sure there are studies around like brain function because I know when I'm in ketosis, but I do a lot of fasting too. So I, it may be a crossover there, but definitely mental fog is less and you can concentrate better. And are there studies around exogenous ketones and how it affects brain function at all? Again, you'd really think so, given given all of this experiential evidence and also all of the mechanistic evidence that ketones are this really good fuel for the brain. But actually, we're still really, really early on in the field. And so I mentioned earlier the experiment in animals uh, with maize solving. But other than that, um, there's very, very, I don't think there are any published studies of cognitive perfor performance, let's say. I think people might hurt or they definitely looked at infusions of ketones and what that does to brain glucose usage, but that's not telling you anything about performance. So um, no, we still need to go and answer all of those questions. And that's like on my list of things to do now that now the ketone ester is available for more scientists to use and buy. But um, we've had some interesting N of one kind of self-experimentation, people using brain training and um, training. And so they plateau and then taking ketones and then feeling better and then but nothing really quantified yet. We've got some, and we've got some preliminary work as well that's um, due to be published soon out of the University of Oxford. But it's um, quite difficult to measure people's cognition because our mood affects it, and whether we're distracted, and the time of day, and 
it's very difficult to measure. So um, whilst we all might have these great experiences where we're like, yeah, it's definitely helped me focus. Like actually getting a, a measure on that and a number on it is really difficult. Yeah, that, that's a that's a good point. For funding, the question on funding, are governments behind this type of funding? Or because one of the one of the issues I see is that it seems like the companies who produce ketones fund some of the research. And I don't know if that's a conflict in your world of uh, research or not, but is there objective sources of funding available? So maybe over the next decade, do you, do you see a lot of research around this or not? Well, I mean, I'm still quite new to the like getting funding space. So I know that there there are funding available through the government for businesses, but you, that's still going to come through the business. Um, nutrition is a really difficult area to get funding for full stop. Um, and as I'm sure a lot of people have heard, um, sports drinks company fund a lot of the studies into sports drinks. And so um, you have to read the papers kind of carefully, not just read their title, not just read the abstract or, or at least look at um, look at the scientific evidence. I look at it as a little bit like bricks in a wall. Um, one paper isn't necessarily the answer to everything, but if you start getting um, like a pile of bricks, then, you know, maybe there's some more like kind of credibility there. Um, but sometimes the only way to get these studies done is to fund them some in some way through the company and also if i was to be involved with a study of exogenous ketones now i do work for a company that's selling exogenous ketones but i'm also one of the few people in the world that knows how to use them um with a lot of experience so um i think i i would try and carry out research as transparently as possible and avoid a conflict um but drugs companies they fund studies into their drugs all the time so i mean it's it's difficult i think there's always going to be a way to criticize these things I think it's difficult to do it so transparently. switching gears real quick back to what we started with exogenous ketones for higher level athletes is there evidence around because you talked briefly about this so a high performing athlete how does exogenous ketones affect them kind of compared to the me who goes to the gym occasionally it's, it's a whole different type of use right for the ketones well, I mean, actually, I think if if we if we had uh, like a two hour marathon runner and you and you're both going to head off and run a marathon, exogenous ketones would help both of you because at the end of the day, when you drink them, the metabolic shifts are going to be the same in both of you. So when you drink exogenous ketones, your ketone levels go up quite quickly and in uh, much more uh, like to a much higher level than it would in that time frame doing anything else. So if I gave you one drink of um, human ketone, your blood ketone levels would be between three and five millimolar within half an hour. So it's all of a sudden delivering this rapid um, energy source for the body. So your body can use that as energy. And that means that you don't need to burn as many carbs, which means that um, you've still got in your muscle stored carbohydrate. It's called glycogen. And so um, a lot of experiments have shown when you start to run out of glycogen, that's when you kind of hit the wall and you you bonk if you're doing a kind of intense level, moderately intense kind of exercise. So you're running a marathon, you're burning your ketones, you're sparing your glycogen. Another thing that happens is um, lactic acid production goes down. 
So lactic acid is something you produce when you burn carbs at a very high intensity. And again, because you have ketones there, you don't do as much of that. And that's something you can really feel. And I think for me, this was what I felt when I was doing the exercise studies myself um, back when I st started joining the ketone project. You, you produce about two to three millimoles less lactic acid for a given intensity of exercise. And so, yeah, imagine the burn as you're running for the bus and then kind of imagine that dampened down. You all of a sudden feel like... Um, you can go harder and go for longer. And so those um, shifts in your metabolism, they're going to be happening whether it's someone who's trained or whether it's someone who's um, less trained. It just is kind of your speed would just be slower. <laughs> Are athletes using this in, I would think they were using it both in training and in the actual events, right? Has this become part of their protocol, like daily protocol? So I think um, the way that we're going to end, I think we need to do some more research, but I think the way that it's going to end up being used is in a periodized kind of fashion. So all athletes know that over the winter you do like endurance training and then maybe you kind of come to your competition time and you'll put in more intensity. And I think um, our understanding of nutrition and ketone drinks kind of coming into that um, will be the same. So maybe in a period where you're doing a lot of endurance and you want to be able to go for longer in your training and train at a higher quality and, and feel good. And also, as we mentioned, ketones sparing muscle protein. So if you're, if you're in a block of training, that's just super endurance based, super um, intense in that kind of way, then taking exogenous ketones day to day then would be, I think, probably very beneficial. But then when you get into the time where you're looking to put in a lot of intensity um, and do lots of sprints, you can't burn ketones as a fuel when you're sprinting. Ketones are only really useful when the performance is more aerobic. So right, right. for sh shorter events, they're not as useful. So um, I think you wouldn't necessarily need to use ketones for performance then. That might be where you might look at them more as a recovery kind of tool. Um, but we need to look into that a little bit more. I think... Um, interesting potential for users recovery so people who follow a keto diet they often report that they have less inflammation um, and uh, ketones are also antioxidants as well so we know that from animal experiments and then some early human experiments as well so i think that actually taking uh, exogenous ketones after exercise could really help with people's recovery um, but we still need to look, do those experiments and look at it properly. Um, so it might be that when you're in your endurance block, you're taking ketones before you work out to fuel your workouts and help you train better. And then maybe in the more intense blocks, you're taking ketones after you work out um, so that you can really get that sprint energy going, but then recover afterwards. So I think it's going to, there's still a lot of questions to be answered, but that's how I see it panning out in the future. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. So let's talk about the exogenous ketone that you're involved with compared to something you find on the market for the regular person is this talk a little bit about your your ketone and is it going to be marketed or is it going to be like marketed specifically to high-end athletes or is it for the common folk like like me well i mean i guess we're marketing it towards athletes because actually at the moment that's where the clinical evidence we don't want to pull the wool over anyone's eyes uh Everyone out there who's used exogenous ketones knows what it does for them. Um, and so we hope that those people will kind of be interested to try it and see whether it's kind of like more more of a boost or achieves a bit a bit more of what they've achieved with exogenous ketones because it's more potent. Um, yeah, and really just to put that in perspective, um, in my PhD, I researched salts um, and they gave the same amount of ketones as the ester. And I was seeing like three to four times higher BHB with the ester than with the salt. So I think, um, I think that there isn't much 
controversy out that that what's out there at the moment in terms of salts is less potent than ketone esters and so you whatever effects you experience with a salt you'd expect to experience with an ester but maybe better maybe um we'd be interested to see what happens when we start getting it into people's hands and the sort of feedback that we get but um given that there is very limited human studies on things like appetite uh, and weight loss and inflammation and you know all of these sort of like maybe woollier claims about just feeling healthier feeling more clear all of these things that haven't been measured yet we don't feel like it's um what we want to do to make those kind of marketing claims so we have really great evidence so showing that it works in athletes we're happy to talk around all of these other points where we think exogenous ketones will be useful but we're not intending to market it like that until there's until there's good scientific evidence so um this product is for everyone um that uses exogenous ketones or follows the ketogenic diet or but it's also for people who follow a normal mixed diet and want to add in extra energy as ketones to optimize certain parts of their like physical or mental performance as well i guess um one thing to note as well would be that at the moment one thing that might stop it being accessible to like the everyday consumer is the price but we are aware of that and we already know that our next batch that will be produced at scale will be cheaper and we really intend on passing down those savings really quickly so i'd you know say to your listeners within 12 to 18 months it's going to be a lot more affordable than it is right now but this is just because it's the world's first like huge batch of it it was a little bit more expensive it's already come down from being i think it was thousands and thousands of dollars per one serving and now it's 33 dollars it's being so, so it's still expensive um worth an experiment but keep an eye out because in the very near future it'll be more like $15 and then after that and you know in the next year after that maybe $10 and right. going to be coming down all the time we're working on it really hard yeah yeah I was going to ask about the price because even the the ones that you see out on the market those are salts as opposed mm-hmm. to esters right pretty much everything out there right now it, is a salt, salts yeah. and they run like 10 15 dollars or five dollars a serving or ten dollars a serving or something they're pretty expensive yeah. too which yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you, you get a lot of people in the anti-exogenous ketone camp being like, why would I want to drink ketones when I can make my own for free? Um, and, you know, you certainly get a lot of, um, you certainly get a, you know, a set of benefits from restricting your carbohydrate intake that you're just not necessarily going to get if you just take the drink. So you mentioned um, having no brain fog. For some people, brain fog is caused by, you know, constant insulin spikes and blood, high blood sugar. And so actually in order to uh, not only have you know the clarity that get you have from ketones themselves you also do need to cut down carbohydrate as well and for a lot of people who are looking to be healthier um and live healthier lifestyles cutting down the amount of refined carbohydrate that they eat and minimizing the insulin spikes and the blood sugar spikes that's just kind of like net healthier for people and so if you just take exogenous ketones and don't stop insulin upping and downing and blood sugar upping and downing your body you're not necessarily going to get all of the benefits of following a low carbohydrate diet but that said ketones themselves um they have uh really interesting signaling properties for longevity um inflammation as i mentioned as well so i think you're going to get some of the benefits of a low carbohydrate diet but certainly not all of them and so if you want to get all of the benefits of a low carb diet then follow a low carb diet Right, it's, you know, right. exogenous ketones aren't going to replace that and they're as you said they're an expensive kind of thing so maybe um they're kind of i would see them as useful kind of crutch being added into a low carbohydrate uh regime at the moment 
or as a useful strategy for people who are looking to optimize their athletic performance or um, help themselves lose weight, things like that. You know, it's sort of it's sort of something to add in. It's it's a supplement. It's not a replacement. Right. Um, right. But that said, um, it's kind of interesting. Recently, um, the U.S. Uh, Health Association they've changing their guidelines to recommend that we only eat 50 grams of sugar a day. Um, at the down from 250 grams of sugar this is sugar not carbohydrate full stop um and you know at human we really do believe that everyone would benefit from replacing some of those calories from sugar with calories from ketones now that they could be something that's more of a food group rather than something that um is this kind of thing that most people never have in their body so i mean let's see what happens i, I think in the future it might be a bit more kind of uh widespread uh, in terms of food, but it's certainly, it's not, they're not equal and the same. Exogenous ketones are not the same as following a ketogenic diet. They're two very different things and the benefits or the things that you're going to experience doing those two different things are discreet. Right. That's awesome. This has been a great discussion. So tell us about your ketone, your company, uh, if, if somebody wants to learn more about the ketones that you're working with. So, um, uh, my company is called HVMN. Uh, we have a website, so just Google hvmn.com. Check out our little uh, introductory video to the product. You can buy it there. I've written a lot of um, information content, so if people want to read more about the research studies that, that I was part of running and that our collaborators have run, um, go ahead there. You can find me on Twitter, so if people have any questions, I'm normally like really easy to get hold of there. I can answer questions or direct people to resources. Um, that's probably the best place reach out and find out more and yeah i'd really encourage people to challenge what they read on uh on the internet not just taking everything for for granted what is your twitter uh, handle? uh at brianna stubbs so i can pass you that and you can pop it in the show notes okay absolutely all right well this has been wonderful uh thank you so much for being on the show is there any final thoughts uh, or comments you want to make before we go no i mean i i think we finished off on a really great point I think um, whatever the um, exogenous ketone companies say, there's very, it's still very early days in the field. So look for things that have been tried in humans. Um, but also, I mean, if you're having a positive experience, then, then great. Um, I'm really pleased that exogenous ketones are helping people to live better lives. But let's, um, let's carry on doing the science. Let's not um, bash people who have opposing views too much. Let's just wait for more evidence to come out. Um, and I'm really excited for people to be able to try human ketone and see what they think and see, uh, and hopefully experiences for people of people in the field will help us inform more um, science studies in the future. So uh, watch the space. It's still very early on and let's see where it goes in 10 years time. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today, Dr. Brianna, and congratulations on all your successes and on your research and everything and good luck with everything no problems i hope to speak to you again okay thank you bye-bye thank you for being with us today and we hope that you are on the road to your successful low-carb lifestyle become a leader in your health and a leader in life check us out at www.thelowcarbleader.com and remember to join dan again next time on the low carb leader podcast